0: Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul?
1: evening everybody. Terrific to see you. Hoping that you're having a really good week. I will remind you that there is another class taking place for the adults over in the Annex. If you'd like to participate in that, that would be just fine. And we're going to have this week, a couple of more weeks after this, and then we'll begin a whole new quarter of studies. And, and I'll tell you that next week, we're going to be having a guest speaker, John Pig, who is one of our missionaries to Mexico, is gonna be giving a presentation at the request of the mission team. So that will be an information kind of gathering session. And then the last Wednesday night of this month, we will have our our usual singing. So, tonight is really the last lesson in our series that's dealing with some things a church must do. We have a couple of things to keep in mind. One is, John David Horn is gonna be having surgery on Friday. It's a surgery for both of his knees. Apparently, I think he was playing basketball and stopped quickly, but part of his body didn't stop, and it, it ruined his knees, so they're doing surgery to repair patella, tendon, really a reconstruction on both of those knees, so please, please be praying for him, and also yesterday, Milton and Juanice celebrated their 63rd wedding anniversary, so congratulations to you. Other people suffering from all sorts of things, and we want to remember them. And I, I just encourage you, get a bulletin. There's a long list of those folks. And, you know, reach out to them, not just with prayers. Maybe send a card or just offer your sentiments and encouragement. Let's sing number 657, 657. And after we sing this, we'll have our prayer, and then we'll begin our study together. 657.
0: All the styrofoam and with might here
1: have to go empty-handed there's still time isn't there so we can get busy even if we haven't been up to this point right yes okay let's have our prayer and then begin our study father in heaven thank you so much for the privilege that we have to assemble here and to study your word together and i pray father that as we do that that it'll be impactful to us. And Lord as we've sung this song, uh, we we want to be people who are so heavily invested in your work. We want to bear fruit for you. That fruit of course can be manifested in a lot of ways, but as we've just been singing, I pray that through our lives and our contacts that we'll be able to lead someone to you. And just as as the bearer of a gift, like we're just handing over those goods that we produced. We thank you for the gospel and its power to save, and I just pray you'll help us to be effective in using it to that end. Please be with us tonight, Lord, as we talk about bearing fruit, Uh, one of those important responsibilities that this church must do. And help us to understand that uh, as we're Bearing that fruit that this this fruit is something that comes as a result of the blessing that we enjoy in being part of this church, so help us to value that, take advantage of what's here and to be uh, great stewards of what you put in our hands. Help me, Lord, to use the word to be able to communicate the best that I can those truths and Uh, be with our students, that it'll be of benefit to them and that they can apply it to their lives. And thank you for the blessing of all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. A late-breaking news item. Oh, okay. Well, Ben and Joanne Roberts, they are celebrating 49 years tomorrow. So, congratulations to you. Anybody else want to join this exclusive group? All right, well, suit yourself. But those are, you know, what's great about that is we see those relationships and the love between them right here before our eyes. And in these two cases, I I see. Milton and Juanice holding on to each other as they walk in this building. Now, it might be for safety purposes, uh, but I, I tend to think of it as they just love each other so much. And they like to have that contact. And then Ben and Joanne, same thing. Ben's had health issues lately, and he still tends to his wife. And I just, those are precious things. And I hope we'll never just take that for granted and we'll just value it as long as it lasts. But we rejoice with you in the longevity of your marriages. I don't know who to give the medal to, which one of you (laughs) is the one enduring the most, but I'm thankful for you. I sure am. We all are, aren't we? Yes. Yes. All right, let's think today about the importance of bearing fruit. I'm going to use one of the parables of Jesus. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the keeper of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up? Why does it waste the ground? And he answering said to him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well. But if not after that, you can cut it down. In the context of the passage, the circumstances that Jesus gives the parable, it's pretty evident that he's really forecasting the impending doom of the Jewish nation. God had done everything for them that he could possibly have done to encourage their faithfulness, to assure their blessedness. Over and over, Through their history, God had intervened, had delivered them. He had provided them with everything that they needed. To them had been given what the scriptures describe as the oracles of God. They had everything. And yet as Jesus is telling the story of this parable, even yet so many in Israel had turned their backs on Jesus and ultimately they would in their hatred of him, crucify him. Every opportunity to do right and to turn to God. And yet one more opportunity. When I look at the import of the parable, I can't help but think about the extension that is there for us. Because just like Israel, you and I as members of the Lord's body have every opportunity extended to us. And in that body, the church, we have every blessing that we could imagine in Christ Jesus. In fact, Ephesians chapter one and verse three tells us that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So with all that going for us, I would imagine immediate, total, continual success. And yet the truth of it is that in too many cases, what should be great success, what should be the bearing of much fruit, is actually much less than that, perhaps we began our Christianity with great hopes, you know, we, we we're going to, we were going to turn the world upside down for Jesus as the early church was accused of doing. And then for some reason, the zeal and the enthusiasm that we started with waned. And maybe it is that now we've gotten to a place where, especially as we've studied these things together, the importance of sowing seed and and reaping what is sown and of planting and watering and all, all the responsibilities that there are in the Lord's church, it might be that when we look at that we're not really not really convinced that we've been doing what we should have been doing. Maybe we feel a little bit of guilt about it. I don't know. This text is an encouragement to all of us that wherever it is that we are right now, there yet remains an opportunity. It's not over. So if we need to make changes, we need to reassess where we are, if we need to act, then now's the time to do it, to seize the opportunity that God has given. And also, if, I, if I'm going to put myself into this story, I have to assess where it is that I'm planted, and that where it is I'm planted, I have to ask, is what I'm doing a blessing or a detriment? Am am I contributing? Am I bringing good? Or am I just using up, in this story, the ground? I want us to think about fruit. I want us to think, first of all, that fruit is something that's expected under ideal conditions. That's exactly what the text begins by telling us. Because here comes this man who owns a vineyard and has planted, I guess, his prized fig tree there that... Having planted that fig tree in a vineyard just signifies some special considerations. If I were to establish the value of things, pretty sure I'd have been more interested in the vineyard for the product that comes from it. A lot of attention was given to the upkeep of a vineyard. Now, there were specialized individuals who tended to fig trees, but the implication is that it's unusual that someone would have planted a fig tree in the midst of a vineyard. And yet having done so, the expectation would be, I've done everything I could possibly do to make sure that this thing is going to produce tremendous fruit. You and I have been planted in a Similar sort of environment in the Lord's body, the church. Having been planted here, we have every advantage. God has seen to it in the church body that we have at our disposal those things that God has equipped the church with so that us taking advantage of that, we can satisfy our particular calling that we can bear fruit for the Lord. In the church, we find tremendous encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says to let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So I know in the body that there are people who are concerned about me, who have me on their mind. I have folks involved and interested in my life. A little bit later in that text, which actually we studied on Sunday, Hebrews chapter 13, verse one, we are to let brotherly love continue. Of course, the implication of that is that our love for one another is going to, once having begun, continue on. I, I don't have to worry that at some point that's going to stop or there's going to be a gap. I can be assured that in the body that my relationships with the brothers and sisters who are also sons and daughters of God, they're going to remain intact and they're going to continue to be supportive of me. I can be assured in terms of that encouragement, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, that we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The full expression of love is going to be by action. So it isn't just people going to pat me on the back. They're going to be like, look, I I want to help. You know, I want to be a part of the support system as you are going through various trials and tribulations, perhaps. Or or maybe it's a project that I'm involved in. I, I I can be assured that there are going to be brothers and sisters who are there to encourage and build me up as I go along. All of us enjoy that. I can be sure that love is manifested on several levels, right? Romans 12, verse 10, to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. We enjoy the relationship. It's filled with genuine love. And I'm confident that as I'm trying to encourage others that they're right there building me up and lifting me up too. I'm sure that as part of the environment of bearing fruit that I have all that support there so I could be like that fig tree planted at vineyard I know somebody's going to take care of me I can also know that as I'm a part of the work of the local church that if that work is according to the will of God it goes farther than just the, the presentation of a work or a hope for success First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine says that we are workers together with God. So that means we are joined together in that work to God's glory. Unfortunately, however, many times we're planted in an environment, the church, where we have every privilege spiritually and every consideration and all this tremendous support, and yet we become complacent. And what I mean by that is there is all the potential for the bearing of fruit, but we become so complacent that we do not use those blessings and resources that are available to us to do the very thing that we were called to do. An example of that is found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. It's the church in Laodicea. Their personal assessment of the work was this. We are rich. We become wealthy. We have need of nothing. Now think about that for a minute. We're self-sufficient. You know, we're good. We got everything going for us. We We don't have a want for anything. I mean, we we have our coffers full. Look at us. Look at our budget. You know, we, we we're in the green constantly. We're good. But Jesus, in assessing that work, said, "No, no. Actually, actually, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked." So his assessment was quite different from the personal assessment that they were making. Let me say this about the work and about God's relationship to it. The work is going to be done one way or the other. God's will is going to be accomplished. Now God over time, and you can think of yourself specifically, or maybe don't want to do that. Maybe want to put that off on somebody else. Imagine uh, whoever it is, someone who leads some projects around here or some work that's being done. I'm telling you that that work is being accomplished because God has invested something in somebody. Somebody took the lead, someone saw to the the gathering up of the resources and making the right application of those things with a mind to satisfy something that God wanted done. Let's say it's our benevolence program. If it's benevolence, then someone tapped into the, the need that exists and of the love that we're to have for our fellow man, and they acted on that. Now, God gets the glory for that work, but somebody had to be convicted to act, to to spearhead even that work. God has invested a responsibility and invested resources and time in that person. But but what happens if God's invested all this time and resources and, and all this effort through my life to get me to this moment, but I won't take I won't take action. I have have what I need, but I won't do anything. I'm forsaking my responsibility to bear fruit in the very work that God has conditioned me to do. What will he do then? Will he allow me, as was Laodicea's estimation of themselves, to be rich and wealthy and not need anything? No, God convicted them. Truth is, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I have every confidence that what God had invested in them, God was ready to take back. I know that's true because I see examples otherwise of that very thing. For instance, Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 25, specifically verses 25 and 26, of a man we refer to as the one-talent man. He's just one of three who had been invested with talents. He only has one. Uh, Others had three and another five. I mean, they had way more resource and ability than he. But instead of using that one thing that God had invested in him, instead of using it to God's glory as he should have, he just... He dug a hole and he buried it. Now, the result was not that, well, let's just let bygones be bygones. You made a mistake. You know what? I'll just move on. It wasn't that. He took the thing away. The one that he had, he took away. I'm telling you, God has invested some great things in all of us to some degree or another. And he's expecting a return. He's expecting that we, will, that we will bear fruit. There's another guy similar to this described in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. We refer to him as the rich fool. You see, he's very successful. In fact, he's so successful that he decides he's going to tear down his barns and build bigger barns but not to store up for distribution to others. It's just so that he can hoard up his resources. The result is this. Not only does he lose his resources, but he loses his own life. And the implication is he loses his eternal life. God's invested a lot in each one of us, just as the fig tree owner had invested everything in that fig tree and was expecting good results. Everything was in place, but there was no fruit. Fruits also expected under ideal care. Okay, so he's planted the fig tree in the vineyard. And the text says that he had come to check on this fig tree for three years and it had not borne fruit. So he goes to the keeper of his vineyard. And he says, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? And he answering said to him, Lord... Let it alone this year also, that I may dig around it and fertilize it. Okay. Guy that owns the fig tree, he's fed up, had it to here. Says, you know, I've been expecting every time I come here, I'm going to get some figs. There's been nothing. You know what? The thing is just using up the ground. Literally, it is wasting the space. It would be better to cut the thing down so it doesn't waste the resources anymore and start all over. But the dresser says, wait, let's just, give it, let's just give it one more opportunity. And after we give it another opportunity, then if it doesn't produce fruit, then we'll cut it down. Oh, let's give it another opportunity. Now, if I'm that fig tree and I've not been bearing fruit, wait a minute, I'm not dead yet, (laughs) right? Maybe I've not been too... And I've been too diligent, too successful in bearing fruit for the Lord in the past. I might be all kinds of reasons for that. Maybe I started off terrific, but I've just, I don't know, gotten discouraged or whatnot. It's not over. And so if, if the time of decision had come and the assessment of what has happened up until now, the conclusion was, I haven't borne any fruit. Wait, wait. It isn't over. So couldn't I start right here? Couldn't I have just one more opportunity? I think about the God that we serve, and I see a God who is about one more opportunity. For instance, I think about the encouragement that we have in terms of salvation itself. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His hope is that people will have the time to respond to the gospel and obey, to turn away from their sins. He's all about that. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth or Romans chapter 2 verse 4 Do you despise the riches of his goodness forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance I mean we talk so much about the love of God and we say I'm vested in the love of God and God loves me so much he wants me to be saved yes he does And and I can rejoice, I can give glory to God because He is so filled with goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. He just wants to wait just as long as He can possibly wait so that I'll be saved, so that I could bear this fruit. Just hang in there with me, Lord, just a little bit longer. He's all about that. But He won't wait Forever and this whole business about there being one more opportunity hey i love that and i want to i want to lay hold of that but the thing is i don't know actually when my last opportunity will be it may be this one so if this is the one then now's when i need to resolve i'm going to bear some fruit for the lord i'm going to do it because I don't know about the future. I only know about now. So I've got to get, get busy about it now. You, you know how it is. Uh, we've had children now. Well, you know. On to the grandchild. I, I've had the experience where I told my child to do something and they didn't do it. I, I know you're shocked, but that's happened. sure has and i'll tell you 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 know you say okay come on we we gotta go uh, let's say it's go to bed time to go to sleep get them ready they're in the bed ah uh, can i have a can i have a dink of water uh, okay you, you can have your dink of water They drink the water uh, 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 can we have a uh a uh, story before we go okay have wait let's pray <laughs> you know a little bit more, a little bit, give me one more, one more minute. I want to stay, one more. Can I stay up till whatever? Just want to keep pushing the envelope just a little bit further. Just give me a little more time, whatever. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. He says for this, they're willingly ignorant. Willingly ignorant. Friend of mine and I were talking about ignorance the other day. Ignorance is simply I don't know. To be willingly or willfully ignorant is to be in that state where I don't want to know. You know, don't tell me. The Lord's coming back. Don't tell me that. Well, okay, you've, you've told me, but you know what? Since, since the beginning, He hasn't come back, you know? So I'm not really worried about it. I've got more time. But, but I don't know how much more time, if there's any more time. The opportunity is now, not later. He says scoffers act that way. They just won't resolve that the time is now. They keep putting it off and putting it off and denying it and denying it further. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. And the whole purpose of writing that was to say, we don't know when it's going to be. So you watch and you be sober. But there are so many described in this text who have the mind that it, it'll be on down the road. You know, it, it, it cannot be soon. For the fig tree, one more opportunity. You know that story in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus? You know how that story goes. You think that the rich man, in his torment, wished that he had one more opportunity, given that he would know what he knows now? If I could just have one more opportunity, because for him at verse 24, he is relegated in his new situation to begging Father Abraham for mercy. And here's the form of the mercy that he asked for. That Lazarus would be allowed to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool his tongue because of the suffering of torment that he was experiencing. I've thought a lot about that. I remember as a kid playing in the bathtub, you know, delaying, (laughs) but playing in the bathtub, stick my finger in the water and hold it out and watch it. Watch the water drip. You ever do that? And you know, you can, I don't know if you've done this experiment or not, but you can just dip your finger in that water. And if you squeeze each side of it, even after it stops dripping, you can always get just one little more drip, one little drip. I beg you, Father Abraham, would you send Lazarus to go dip the tip of his finger in water to produce that little drop of water to cool my tongue? Any of you remember the commercials of the Nesty Plunge? Remember those commercials? I'll never forget them because they assuming had a pool full of tea <laughs> and the guys on the diving board or whatever and he falls back in a
0: splash
1: Lazarus Lazarus wasn't told to go procure a swimming pool for the rich man that would have been a tremendous relief wouldn't it not that he didn't even ask him to go get one of those big troughs, like they have to uh, water the cattle. One of those big troughs, full of what? Didn't ask for that because I think he could have fit in that too. Uh, neither did he ask for a bucket of water that he could take it and pour it over his head because I just need this this heat quenched for just a moment. Uh, this guy was in such torment. He said, "Just would you just send him to dip his finger in water so I could get a drop on my tongue? So, the tree, the fig tree is planted in an environment conducive for its growth, but it hasn't produced any fruit. And so it is using up valuable resources that could be used elsewhere. And the owner says, cut that thing down and let's do something else. But the the vine dresser says, no, wait, 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 wait. We're going to give it one more opportunity. Oh, how I think the rich man would have really loved to have one more opportunity. So I was thinking, fruit is expected. How about this? Instead of thinking fruit is expected in terms of, you know, the conditions that exist or the care that might be in existence. How about just this? How about just fruit is expected, period? That's it. Whether the conditions are right or not, God's still expecting fruit. Whether I feel like I'm getting the right kind of care and encouragement from others, God is still expecting that we bear fruit. Here was the conclusion. If it bears fruit, given this last opportunity, if it bears fruit well, in other words, if it, if it does take advantage of this opportunity, it bears fruit, then everything's cool, everything's fine, we're good. If it bears fruit, well, but if not, then after this last opportunity, if not, after that, cut it down. It's over. So, the finality of it all. I think about our relationship to the Lord and of the encouragement that we have, the expectation that is there. And I realize that given another opportunity, given the blessing of more time, and of the knowledge of responsibility that we have, that when we grasp, when we lay hold of that and we move forward, that not only does God give us the time, but the ensuing blessing as well, the result. But I'm also confident that if I refuse to do that, if I refuse to take advantage of my opportunity with the knowledge that I should have borne fruit, then I now am no longer even willfully ignorant. Now I understand what my responsibility is. I know that I'm required by the Lord to bear some form of fruit. And to refuse to do so would result in the conclusion of this particular parable to actually be cut down. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 26, describes a stark reality. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and to the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The irony here for the Christian is to be punished eternally For having faltered in our responsibility to bear that fruit, however great or small, and to actually face not the love and the welcome of a father into an eternal home, but of condemnation for having responded by willful sin. Tonight, our encouragement is to continue growing, to be conscientious, and to let to let parables like this remind us of the importance of the responsibility that we have to bear fruit for the Lord. I'm pretty sure that all of us struggle from time to time with motivation and staying encouraged, but look around you. We're a body that works together. We're in this together. Let's be sure that as the church here in Boonville That we know what the Lord expects us to do, what we must do. And then let's each of us be individually responsible to equip ourselves so that we can be a part of that greater work in the things that we must do as individuals. Let's have a prayer together and we'll be dismissed. And then after that, if you have children, you go ahead very quickly. And then 15 or 20 seconds later, the rest of us will follow. Let's pray together. A Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege that it is to assemble and to study your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help, help these things of the scriptures to be just imprinted on us. Help us be motivated and challenged and positive, enthusiastic about the work that's ahead. Help us, Lord, to look for opportunities and instill in us a desire to to enter into something to volunteer and and not to be not to lose our zeal our enthusiasm but to be encouraged by others we thank you for the privilege that it is to be a part of your body and of the responsibility that you've laid on us help us to seize that to take advantage of it and to bring glory and honor to you in ways maybe we haven't ever done before thank you for the privilege that that is and Help us be excited about our future. In Jesus' name, amen.